Yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And the train is building up ahead of steam. So grab your ticket. It's free. Get on board. This train will be picking up passengers along the way. Taking you on a sports journey. So, enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. to learn that all that I have learned, one thing remain being true to yourself is the key, knowing your roots and where you come from is also key. Young black women, you are more than your thighs and your hips. You are beautiful, strong, powerful. I want more from you. Take your place. Young black men, take your place. We need you. Your sons and daughters need you. Stand what I just said. You were sold off and had no choice. Yes, but now it's time to stay. Take your place. Now, starting now, starting now. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This podcast will most definitely have a different flavor to it. Tonight, it is Sunday night, January the 31st. Of course, you know, February is Black History Month. And I have kind of been given a little bit of Black History sports on my last couple of podcast what's going to make this one different because you know in the sports world and in every life seem like there's the death of a well-known either actress or sports figure that is well let's just say has answered the roll call as we said in layman's terms in church vocabulary <clears throat> Last week, Cicely Tyson, Friday, John Cheney. You dare not ask who's next. You're just waiting for who's next because you know it eventually is coming up and these are coming like back to back to back. There was a time when they said death comes in threes 
Well, these are coming week after week after week. We're losing some iconic figures. And we hope that the lessons that they have taught, somebody has grasped a hold of it and is taking the baton and is running with it. Looking at one of the Tyler Perry movies that Cicely Tyson was in, she really admonished and reprimanded and rebuked the young people. And I hope someone got the message. Yes, I know this is my sports podcast, but like I said, we're going to take a different route today. Yes, we're going to look at Cicely Tyson. And of course, basketball coach John Chaney, who just recently passed away. And one that didn't get a lot of ink press, a lot of play on local radio. So if it didn't get a lot of play on local radio, I know it didn't get a lot of play on national radio. Of course, credit to the guy that called in to the drive the other week and brought it to the attention of Bob Lutz, who was understandably disturbed by the fact that how did that one slip by? Yes, I'm talking about a local legend here by the name of Don Calhoun. I believe he played at Wichita North, went on to play at Kansas State, had a long career with the New England Patriots. So we're going to talk about those three people on this podcast today. And I'm going to go ahead and start it with this uh, clip right here. As children, we were not allowed to go to the movies, so I had no idea what it was that they were talking about. I learned, though. So, yes, you just heard limited audio from Cicely Tyson, but it was just basically talking about her accomplishments. Cicely Tyson gave her last interview on Live with Kelly and Ryan. And here's what she said. A day before her death, Cicely Tyson did a virtual interview on Live with Kelly and Ryan, where she talked about her childhood, how she snagged her leading role and her vegetarian lifestyle actress and cherished icon who was the first Oscar nominated for 1972's 
Sounder and 45 years later was honored with an honorary golden statue for her body of work, died last Thursday at age 96. Her manager, Larry Thompson, confirmed to USA Today. Her memoir, Just As I Am, was released just two days before she died. Start the day smarter. Get all the news you need in your... In the interview, which aired Friday, Tyson described how she was initially turned away from the role as Rebecca in Sounder and how she landed it. They said, you're too young, you're too pretty, you're too sexy, you're too this, you're too that. And I said, but I'm an actress, Tyson said. The role of Rebecca was originally offered to actress Gloria Foster, but Foster declined in the negotiation stage. Tyson recalled when her manager broke the news to her that Foster turned it down. Tyson replied, because it doesn't belong to her. Tyson went on to make incredible impact on the entertainment industry. I never really worked for the money. Through her, black women were represented roundly and robustly over seven decades on screens, big and small. She trailblazed roles portraying the lives of women ranging from fictional slave-turned-activist Jane Pittman and educator Marva Collins to activist Coretta Scott King and abolitionist Harriet Tubman. When describing her motivation behind pursuing certain roles, Tyson told Ripper and Seacrest that she never took jobs for the pay. I never really worked for the money, she said. I worked because there were certain issues that I wish were addressed about myself and my race as a black woman. Cicely Tyson died at 96. Tyler Perry, Oprah, Viola Davis, and more, more and greatest to ever do it. And she did. It's difficult to convey just how deeply the actress permeated American culture through the decades. Tyson helped bring roots to life in 1977 as Benta. Kunta Kente's mother. She stole the show in 1991's Fried Green Tomatoes, gave weight to 2011's The Help, and grounded modern TV series such as House of Cards and How to Get Away with Murder. Kelly and Ryan also celebrated Tyson for reaching her 96th birthday and asked about her nutritional regimen. Tyson said she never drank or smoked never did any drugs. However, there was one moment in history that turned her on the path to vegetarianism. When Martin Luther King was assassinated, I was so stunned by that that I became a vegetarian and I've been that most of my life, Tyson said. On Miles Davis and Diana Ross. In another one of her final interviews, Tyson opened up to Sirius XM's Bevy Smith Monday about attending the Oscars in 1973, as well as her marriage to music legend Miles Davis. Tyson was nominated in 1973 for Best Actress for her work in Sounder alongside Diana Ross for Lady Sang the Blues. 
Maggie Smith for Travels with My Aunt, Liv Ullman for The Immigrants, and Liza Minnelli for Cabaret. The late actress described her relationship with Ross and competing against her for the same Academy Award. We were not close in terms of a friendship, but I've always listened to her records from the very beginning, Tyson said. Why should I suddenly, because we have done a movie to, movie during the course of the same year, be arch enemies? Why? We were not close in terms of a friendship, but we. But I've always listened to her, her, uh, and the and the, uh, her recording uh, from the very beginning. I mean, they did something for us as young women, and why should I suddenly? Because we have done a movie uh, during the course of the same year, be arch enemies. Why? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, something else that I love that you said in the book about that that event that night was that um, you did not expect to win, and you had figured out that Liza Minnelli probably would win based on her Hollywood pedigree. You know, her father was the famous director, Vincent Minnelli. Her mother was Judy Garland. She was dating, um, I, I can't remember who she was dating at the time, but that all these things kind of uh, made for a really great PR spin. And you said that when she won, you were not shocked, but you did have a sense of gratitude. And let's talk a little bit about that, because I think that so many people today feel like unless they win big or they win the whole enchilada, they can't even see the pleasures and knowing that it's a blessing just to have something on your plate. Long before I even got into uh, uh, business, heavy, I I watched uh, the Oscars, never dreaming that I would be sitting in the front row. But I did say one night while watching it with my dear friend Arthur Mitchell. One night, I am going to be sitting in that front row. I did say it, and sure enough, I got to sit in that front row. And that was enough for me. I never expected anything else. But the Almighty had other expectation for me and I am grateful. I never dreamed I would receive an Oscar because most of the work that I did was uh, recognized highly on television. Mm -hmm. And so I had thrown the idea of possibly receiving and Oscar out of my mind. And that was a clip from Cicely Tyson recalls competing against Diana Ross.
the interview that was conducted. So let me get you back into the rest of this story here now. Ultimately, the trophy trophy ended up going to Manelli, and Tyson said she remained thankful for the experience. Tyson was awarded an honorary Oscar for her body of work in 2018. The almighty had other expectations of me, and I am grateful, Tyson said. I never dreamed that I would receive an Oscar because most of the work that I did was recognized highly on television. And so I had thrown the idea of possibly receiving an Oscar out of my mind, she said. She continued, long before I even got into the business, I watched the Oscars, never dreaming that I would be sitting in the front row. But I did say one night while watching it, one night I'm going to be sitting in that front row. And sure enough, I got to sit in that front row, and that was enough for me. Tyson also discussed her relationship with Davis, whom she was married to from 1981 to 1988, though she rarely opened up about their union in public. According to Tyson, when she met the legendary jazz musician, he needed someone to save him from the life of destruction he was living. I did a lot of things with Miles in order to get him to understand that there was a better way for him to serve humanity, she said. That he had a brilliant talent. People loved him. The actress added that she believes Davis never understood how much he was loved. He died from multiple health complications at the age of 65 in 1991. I don't think that's what he needed. He needed, uh, at the time I met him, someone to save him from the life of destruction he was living. And, and he took him to an herbalist, and he actually got him clean for a period of time. Oh, no, I did, I did a lot of things with my in order to get him to understand that there was a better way for him to serve humanity, that he had a brilliant talent, people loved him. In fact, uh, after he passed away, uh, my friend and teacher, Lynette Carroll, now Lynette Carroll, said to me, do you think he really knew how much
you don't understand what we're talking about. Ever. She said that to me. You know. What's all we're talking about? Unfortunately, you know, when he was going to elementary school, his father wanted him. Father was a dentist. Father wanted him to follow in his footsteps. And he went to uh, uh, elementary school, and his teacher, his teacher, said to his father, He's not going to be no dentist. He's a brilliant talented young man. He's a very famous musician. So that was Cicely Tyson on her marriage to legendary jazz artist Miles Davis. And as she said, he had no idea of his talent, Tyson said. He really did not understand why people were fussing over him. He didn't, and that's what's sad. So there you have this first segment, basically in honor of a legendary woman. I, I, I wish I had some more clips, because like I said, there was a scene in one of the Tyler Perry movies. I think it was Medea's family reunion and like I said she really rebuked those young people especially those young women you know life is more about wearing short pants and out gyrating and men you need to take your respective role if we would just take some of the lessons that even from the movies that she played in because she didn't take just any kind of role you know what I mean like she said, she didn't do it for the money. Look at some of the roles she played in. She played in roles that would capture our attention, our imaginations. I think her roles that she played was her way of saying, look, I'm trying to teach y'all something. When I'm gone, there will be no more me. Someone has to take this baton and run with it. Unfortunately, I don't think there's no one to do it. There may be. The saying always goes like this. You never miss your water till your well runs dry. You never miss the teacher. Or you never miss the teachings until the teacher is gone. Listen to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Take a break right here. And when I come back, next segment, I think I'm going to talk about Wichita Local, Don Calhoun. Stay tuned to A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Building up ahead of steam, your conductor, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported that's right driven by you the listener who wants to support so click on that support button down there you have three options 99 cents a month 4.99 a month or 9.99 a month 
will get your ad rant on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com. That's www.cakeybums.com. www.cakeybums.com to enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride.
And that was the induction ceremony from 2009, the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame of one Don Calhoun. You heard it said he played his high school ball at Wichita North. That's right, the same school, which also years later produced Barry Sanders. He played in the NFL for nine years. Seven of those years was with the New England Patriots, two years with the Buffalo Bills. And the reason I'm taking the time to highlight Don Calhoun is, one, yes, he is from here in Wichita. But I believe the timing of his death kind of got lost in the political scene, not saying that that's a real excuse. I know my friend Bob Lutz, I know he's going to listen at this podcast because I'm going to send him a link. But he was terribly upset when he found out the news and how it slipped past and understandable because Bob Lutz has been around the Wichita sports scene let me see, he's in his 60s, I'm in my 50s. So he's been around the sports scene since before I was born. And nothing gets past him. So for something like this to have gotten past him, but yes, he did talk to someone that has some connections to Don Calhoun. As a matter of fact, I went to school with a young lady. She's on my Facebook page, Janelle Calhoun, I believe. She was related to him. I can't remember what the relation was. So you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll reach out even to her and probably get her as a guest on my podcast to talk about what she remembers about Don. Because this one just basically slid right past us because it happened during the time of the political scene that was going on, getting ready for an, an election, which, like I said, once again, I don't know if that's a real valid excuse. It could be. But the fact of the matter is, I think Bob Luce for talking about on his show called The Drive, which he is the host of. You can check that show out on Monday through Fridays from 4 to 6 with whoever his co-host is. 
It's usually Jason Duda or his son, Jeffrey. And you are listening to the show because sometimes they come across like those guys on Fox Sports known as Chris Broussard and Rob Parker, the odd couple. But we never want to forget people who have made their impact, even on the local sports scene, such as a Don Calhoun. Uh, what we can tell you about Don Calhoun is this was a former he was born Donald Clevester Calhoun April 29th 1952 passed away December 14th 2020 was a former professional American football running back who played for nine seasons in the National Football League for the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. He later played for the New Jersey Generals of the United States Football League. Prior to playing NFL, Calhoun played football at Wichita North High and Kent State University. He was drafted in the 10th round of the 1974 NFL draft by Buffalo. In 2009, he was inducted into both the Wichita Sports Hall of Fame and the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. And in 2010, was chosen and awarded entry into the Wichita North High School Hall of Fame. He died December the 14th, 2020 in Derby, Kansas at the age of 68. So that is some of the information that we have on Don Calhoun. There's not a lot, but like I say, we want to put that plug in because Don Calhoun, like I said, was also an icon of sorts around here in the Wichita area. And we want to pay homage in some kind of way. So we want to let you know a little bit about Don Calhoun and what he was. Some of, let me see here. Anyway, that's the take that we have on Don Calhoun. And hopefully I can get some more because I think that this was not enough time spent on him. However, I'm pretty sure if you want to, and if you're just a fanatic for collecting sports memorabilia, I'm pretty sure you can go to, and I am saying people's names that are not, let me see, they are not, I guess you could say sponsorships, but people I've come to know. If you are a collector, go to Rock's Dugout and talk to Joe Rocco. I'm pretty sure he has some Don Calhoun football cards and memorabilia there. So I would say go check it out if you're looking for some Don Calhoun memorabilia. I'm pretty sure Rock's dug out have it. So that leads me to my next 
as you know, this past Friday, we lost another coaching icon. John Cheney. John Cheney, how can you say it? First of all, John Cheney was known as Little John. Why was he known as John or known as Little John? Because he coached during a time where he was going up against Big John Thompson, another legend that we lost. John was very brash. Didn't bite his tongue for nothing. As a matter of fact, he had to be restrained during a post-game interview where he literally told another coach, I will kill you. He was talking about John Calipari. During the time when Calipari was coaching at UMass. So what we're going to do, we're going to play this this news clip in regards to the passing of John Cheney. On CBSN Philly, good evening, everyone. I'm Yuki Washington. And I'm Jessica Cartalia. We begin right now with the death of a Philadelphia legend, former Temple basketball coach John Cheney, a man whose personality was larger than life, and just as big as his smile has died. Let's go right to sports director Don Bell. Hi, Don. Hi, Jess. Yeah, some guys are just coaches. John Cheney was an educator and leader of men who happened to be a hell of a coach. The Hoops legend and Philly icon has died at the age of 89. Cheney's influence reaches far and wide. On the court, he was the head coach of Temple's men's basketball program where he had 23 winning seasons in 24 years, tossing 17 NCAA tournament appearances and five elite eights. That success landed him in the Hall of Fame. Off the court, you know, we don't have enough time in this show to talk about all that. Cheney was the father figure that many players never had. When you played for Temple, you were going to play defense and take your butt to class. Why? Because John said so. Today, we lost a legend. Here's former Temple coach and current acting athletic director, Fran Dumpy. The people that he touched and the lives that he influenced are vast. And so, and, and I'm amongst them. I am totally amongst them. So, uh, just it's a, a sad day. And yet, you know, what he did was so terrific that, you know, we can all celebrate a a wonderful, wonderful life and, and obviously very well led. On Twitter, reaction is pouring in from all over, really. From Eagles play-by-play great Merrill Reese to Kentucky coaching star John Calipari. He's on the top of everyone's mind on North Broad Street. Alicia Reese joining us from Temple's campus with more. Alicia. Mm-hmm. 
The best running on college basketball is mourning a legend tonight, including Owl Nation here at Temple University, where its heart and soul are on North Broad Street. Look right behind me here. They're thanking their former coach, John Cheney, coached here at Temple for decades. He was an institution here in Philadelphia. The gym is named in his honor, and there's memorabilia at every turn in the Leah Corps Center. He was passionate about basketball, and his influence touched many. Of course, the campus would normally be bustling this time of year, but due to coronavirus, everything is shut down. The court here at the Lower Curry Center is also named after the Hall of Famer. And although retired, the former coach still made frequent visits to campus to motivate its athletic team. Congressman Dwight Evans knew him very well. John Cheney was somebody who really left an impression upon all of us. And he left an impression upon this city. You know, they, they used to have a little statement when John Chain was there, that winning is an attitude. And that was his attitude. You know, he played fierce, forceful, and he understood. He understood the aspect of the importance of human rights and people being involved. to his death is also pouring in on social media. Those who knew him well say he was tough but fair. Temple University here will be his forever home. Reporting live from North Philadelphia, Alicia Reed, CBS 3 Eyewitness News. Alicia, thank you. Uh, Cheney wasn't just great at Temple. He also won a Division II title at Cheney University. The great John Cheney, gone at the age of 89. I'm Don Bell. Back to Yuki in the studio. Such a great man on and off the court. I remember one of the things that made me smile on the court was what he called that one-eyed jack stare. When he'd look at the referees to try to get in the air, he'd just stare at them. And he'd stay there for like, it seemed like hours, hours with that look. That look, wow. Special. And you know what else, Yuki, real quick? He would start the game with a jacket. Wouldn't end the game with one either. He was, he, was, he was so into it. I mean, I love John. I haven't seen him in a few years. Well, we gave the Wanamaker Award, but uh, man, an absolute legend, a giant, an absolute giant. For all the people, no doubt about it. Yeah. DB, thank you so much. We'll get back to you. Okay. Once again, John Cheney, gone at the age of 89 years old. And you cannot even fathom to know the impact that he had, what he meant. To the game of basketball, but to the lives of men that he coached. So we got Big John gone. We got Little John gone. Temple coach John Cheney, a Naismith Hall of Famer who led the Owls to 17 NCAA tournaments, dies at 89. One of the most powerful and respected coaches in college basketball history. John Cheney, the legendary Temple coach who took 
the Isles to 17 NCAA tournaments, five Elite Eights, and won 741 games in a 34-year coaching career, including 24 seasons at Temple, died Friday. At 89, the school announced. The Temple program became nationally relevant for much of Cheney's tenure in the second half of the 80s and throughout the 90s. The Owls grew to be known as arguably the best program and Cheney the best coach to never make a Final Four in the 64-team tournament era. From 1984 to 2001, Cheney guided Temple to the NCAAs every season except one. Temple reached number one in the rankings at the end of the 1987-88 regular season and was regarded as arguably the best team in college basketball as it entered that 1988 NCAA tournament. Cheney was a defensive savant, a man who instituted a dynamic matchup zone defense that was mimicked to varying degrees of success throughout the sport. Cheney was a five-time Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year and won multiple Coach of the Year awards on a national level in 1988. He also led TU to eight regular season titles between 1985 and 2002. The outspoken Cheney was a black icon in basketball circles and a man known for being fiercely loyal to his players. Philadelphia is maybe the greatest college basketball metropolis, and Cheney defined the ethos of what it meant to know, coach, teach, and play basketball in that city. A proud graduate of Bethune-Cookman, Cheney's college Head coaching career began in 1972 at Division II Cheney State. He won 232 games, including the 1978 D2 National Championship before taking the Temple job in 1982. When he retired from coaching in 2006, Cheney was 741 and 312 after 34 seasons. His number of victories ranks 41st in NCAA history among all divisions. Cheney was a fearless man. He suffered not one fool. He can fairly be defined as a unique figure in the history of basketball. He famously scheduled non-league games in a way that was ambitious, if not more so than any other coach. He would play anyone at almost any time. His philosophical approach to teaching his players and building out a challenging schedule is a template almost no coach today can honestly claim to subscribe to. Temple's, Temple's teams under Cheney commanded the respect of opponents for their toughness, intelligence, and relentless effort. What made Cheney such an icon in coaching was his dedication to the craft and his dismissal of recruiting rankings and reputations of players before they made it to college. He often brought in less heralded young men and molded them into viable college basketball players. Cheney also popularized the concept of early morning practice. He was famous for having his guys in the gym by the 5 a.m. hour, sweating off sleepy eyes and putting his players to the ringer. That mindset turned Temple into one of the more durable programs in college hoops for more than 15 years. A Philadelphia legend who was proudly emotional, Cheney was someone who could flash an effectual smile just as easily as he could raise the hair on your neck with his steadfast conviction. 
to realize John Cheney is to realize there are no longer men of his vintage coaching in American sports anymore. The almost well-known video of Cheney is not during a game or with the cutting of a net or hugging his devoted players. Rather, it's the infamous dust-up and threat on UMass coach John Calipari's ass. In 1994, Calipari was speaking to the media after his teams defeated Cheney's Isles in a drag-it-out 56-55 affair. Calipari reportedly chastised the referees despite the win. Cheney found out and didn't take kindly to it, so he proceeded to interrupt Calipari's press conference by vocalizing his displeasure with Calipari's alleged threats against the officials. As Cheney made his way through his point, Calipari barked back, let me tell you something, and within seconds, the men were on a collision course. I'll kill you, Cheney shouted at Calipari as he charged toward the lectern before being separated by people in the room. You remember that. When I see you, I'm going to kick your ass. And here is that video. Yeah, that was back in 1994. That was a younger John Calipari. The altercation Let me pull that back up. Here we go. The altercation didn't cause a lifelong rift between the two, though. Calipari and Cheney mended ties and eventually became coaching allies. Calipari, now coach at Kentucky, paid tribute to his former rival after hearing of his death. And this was John Calipari on Twitter saying, Coach Cheney's ability to coach hard yet build trust and teach life lessons is unmatched in our profession. In my opinion, although we were competitors, it's what I admired most about him. He also once said, Coach Cheney and I fought every game we competed, as everyone knows, sometimes literally. But in the end, he was my friend. Throughout my career, we would talk about basketball and life. I would miss those talks, and I will, my friend. Rest in peace, Coach. Cheney's death just a week after his 89th birthday is the latest in what has been a depressing spate of loss regarding renowned men's college basketball coaches in the past eight months. He joins Georgetown's John Thompson Jr. 
Arizona's Lute Olson, Oklahoma State's Eddie Sutton, Illinois' Lou Henson, and Oklahoma's Billy Tubbs in shuffling off the mortal coil. All Hall of Famers. Whereas Thompson Jr. rose to a level of dominance, influence, and fame at Georgetown that rightfully put him on the list of the most well-known coaches in American sports. Cheney's influence and impact was more confined within the world of college basketball. But no matter, he was a powerful figure all the same and is revered by his contemporaries as Thompson, Dean Smith, Bob Knight, Denny Crum, and many other coaches that helped build the 1980s into college basketball's greatest decade. And that was our highlight on Coach John Chaney. Well, that will bring this session to a close. I hope you enjoyed what was basically the history. We had some Cicely Tyson. We had some Don Calhoun. We closed out with John Chaney. Well, tomorrow... It's Black History Month, the start of Black History Month. Although I haven't been as active on my podcast, February, I promise, will be a busy month as I will get you as much history and try to keep you up to date with what's going on today. But February, it's going to be Black History Sports Month. Until then, it's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast signing off. Take care of yourself and each other. God bless.